Because f*** the remake. Yeah, because f*** the remake. Radio Drome. I'm not sure if you would call Radio Drome a horror show or a comedy show, but I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Cecil the Robot. You're a horror comedy. That is the dumbest comeback ever. <laughs> they can't all be gems. Special guest Mike White. Was that not a dumb comeback? I'm more of a dramedy myself. Well, you know what you two, two can do? You could two can both go get fucked by going to adamandeve.com and using the promo code DROME, where you would get 10 free gifts. You'd get six free DVDs, a free mystery gift, a gift for him, a gift for her, and free U.S. shipping. So tonight we're going to talk horror comedies. Making an actually actual horror movie is difficult. Making a funny comedy is difficult. It should be difficult to make a horror comedy, yet... There are so many attempts, and I think so few, that work as both a horror film and a comedy. What do you look for in a horror comedy? More horror or more comedy or an even balance? I think I go more for the comedy than the horror. The horror can be kind of layered on. If it's scary and not funny, that's one thing. If it's funny and not scary, that's another. I think that it is a little tougher to do really good comedy than it is to do really good horror, but that might just be me. Uh, I look for a nice mix of the two because um, uh, usually if a movie will gradually go from starting off humorous and then get more scary as it goes along i think that usually works out the best still peppering in the humor throughout long as there's a balance it's a very tough balance to get but uh, i have seen quite a few that actually do fit the bill quite you know very well i would agree with that that it is a hard balance sometimes you don't want that balance though you you look at some of the ones we're going to bring up tonight and they're definitely comedies first that happen to have horror movie elements to them. And then you have other ones that are straight-out horror movies that happen to have a lot of humor in them. I think most horror comedies, they don't try to make a balance. They choose one over the other and then use trappings of the other. I don't agree with this theory, but I like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, Abbott and Costello meet the mummy and whatnot. A lot of people say that like those kind of movies, those kind of horror comedies, actually wrecked the horror that they can't take Frankenstein's monster seriously. They can't take Bela Lugosi as Dracula seriously again after they've been defeated by Abbott and Costello. Does that hurt the monsters that they were meeting? Maybe within the con- like the confines of the film, but I think a lot of people take things way too seriously. Like when you see something and it ruins something for you, eh, you know, lighten up. It- it- it's not... It's not the same thing. Like when when you see a movie and it's been scary for all these years, and then all of a sudden you see a character and they're and they're kind of being undone by Abbott and Costello. I, I think maybe you're going a little bit too much into it. I, I don't see it as ruining it. I just see it as being something else. And then if you don't want it ruined, if you're afraid that that's going to happen, then just don't watch it. 
Oh, I love the Abbott and Costellos, and I don't necessarily retroactively not get scared by the Frankenstein and Dracula films um, after having seen... I mean, I grew up on Abbott and Costello, and going in and seeing Frankenstein and Dracula for the first time uh, years afterwards, I was completely blown away by them, and I wasn't just like snickering, oh yeah, these are the guys that Abbott and Costello defeated. No, I was able to separate them. I mean, there's just such a difference in atmosphere and intention with those earlier films. You can watch Evil Dead 1 and then watch Evil Dead 2, almost the exact same story, but Evil Dead 1 still scares the shit out of me. Evil Dead 2 still makes me laugh. And see, I, I look at like the Abbott and Costello meets movies as they feel like a universal film, and especially like Abbott and Costello meet The Mummy. I think The Mummy is still threatening in that movie. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. The monster is still threatening. It's just the, the guys are a little bit goofier. I, I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing, yet I've read review after review where people say Abbott and Costello wrecked the Universal Monsters. I don't agree with that. But then you've got other ones like in the 1960s, you had Roger Corman. He was doing all those Poe pictures, and then for whatever reason, he decided for The Raven, let's try making it a comedy. Do you think something like the Poe pictures translated well to comedy? Because I don't particularly find The Raven to be funny, but I see what he was going for. Is it just me that didn't get it? I don't think it's a matter of not getting it. I just, I kind of agree with you that it wasn't that funny either. I mean, it was a chuckle-worthy movie, but it wasn't a guffaw for me either. And I don't necessarily, again, I, even though they were shooting, what, same sets, same acts, all that kind of stuff, knowing Corman, I, I still am able to separate these films out very easily in my mind as far as which one is, you know, which ones are which and which ones are effective and which ones just aren't that effective. So yeah, I didn't see the win as being that funny either. Uh, I just don't think like post stuff really lends itself well to humor in the first place. So uh, I didn't think that it really worked. Well, sticking with the 1960s, how about the choice that every child in the 1960s had to make? Lily Munster or Morticia Adams? Adams Family versus the Munsters. They were both very much horror comedies, but they were both very different. The Munsters was more slapstick and arguably more fun, whereas the Adams Family, at least to me, was much more serious while still being humorous and definitely more adult by the fact that they actually had a sexual relationship and sexual innuendo. Where do you fall? Are you a Lily or are you a Morticia man? I think that I am more of a Morticia man just because I would rather hang out with the Adams than I would with the Munsters necessarily. I found their world more appealing to me. It felt like the Munsters were much more isolated. And I know the Adams was, were pretty isolated, but I guess it was because they would have the different relatives coming in. It felt like there was a bigger world outside of just their house. So you would get, you know, Morticia's sister and different people out there. So it felt like there were more weirdos in the world, and that's the kind of world I wanted to live in. I liked both shows for different reasons, but uh, I think that as far as being, you know, in one particular world, I liked the uh, the Adams Family universe better. It just uh, it, the characters were more interesting. They weren't particularly knockoffs of other characters. They they had more of of like a drier sense of humor, whereas the Adam or uh, the the Munsters was more kind of sitcommy. I, I I agree with that. Like I said, I think the Adams family was a little bit more mature. That the, their jokes were a little more layered to the point where I think the Munsters was more of a sitcom, 
the Adams family was more of a comedy. And yes, I am making a distinction there. But then when you get into the 70s, you started to see more overt horror comedies, like obviously Young Frankenstein, which is, I think, an honest classic. But then you have stuff like Werewolf of Washington or Attack of the Killer Tomatoes that are just so ridiculously over the top that they're obviously more comedy than they are horror. Do you think that was a 70s thing or do you think that was just the ones that stick out did that? I think that is just that was the camp value was high and that's kind of what worked. So we we ended up seeing more of them and a lot of them are are more memorable because of that. Yeah, the 70s were a weird time in in terms of just the different types of genres that were being explored and nothing was necessarily off the table. By the way, before I forget, I just I wanted to uh, let you know it's pronounced Frankenstein. The title is spelled Frankenstein. You know, it's the same way I will not say Rafe Fines. His name is spelled Ralph. It's pronounced Ralph. All right. What about parody? Does parody fall into this something like Piranha, Joe Dante and Roger Corman's Piranha? Because by their own admission, it's a straight out parody of Jaws. Does that still qualify then as a horror comedy or does is parody something different? Well, I think if it's done more straight, I guess it's okay. I mean, I can see like something like a uh, Critters being a little bit scary, but also being kind of a, you know, a, a little bit of a parody of other things like uh, well, it was almost more of a knockoff of Gremlins, I suppose, but I don't know. I I guess par- horror film parodies are really more my sweet spot um but i've never found any of them particularly scary whatsoever i can't no i can't think of any of them that are actually frightening whatsoever i would think parody does not lend itself where well to actually being scary though no you inherently you have to be making fun of the stuff that you're 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 calling into the film so i'm guessing that every time you're going to be, um, you know, bringing something in and then immediately trying to turn it on on its head. You know, something like uh, looking at student bodies. Or I was just thinking of that of one actually, films. Mike. I was just yeah. thinking of student bodies when you were right before you said it. Or you know, Saturday the Fourteenth, or any of these films, you're going to bring wacko. in something. Except yeah. Saturday the Fourteenth isn't remotely funny though. Boo, well, a scary. lot of these, a lot of these movies um, kind of suffer that way too. You know, thinking of like some of the scary movie films you know or like uh paranormal activity or a haunted house some of those things i mean unfortunately is there an actual so... movie called paranormal activity yes no no it came out right around the same time as uh, a haunted house the oh. one of the wayne's brothers and there's a sequel to that one too which i haven't watched yet i guess so, i'm glad um, to have been in ignorance all this time oh yeah no that's that's my thing is watching these horrible parody movies so just uh, just so you know that I, I suffer so that other people don't have to. Fair enough. But yeah, I've never really found them scary at all. But some of them, like uh, like Pandemonium by Alfred Soule, like that one I find very funny. I find elements of uh, wacko funny. I find elements of student bodies funny. But yeah, unfortunately, there's uh, for every one of those, there's, uh, you know, a Dracula dead and loving it kind of thing. Oh, so God, it's that um, awful. For someone who can make Young Frankenstein and then make Dracula Dead and Loving it, it's just like, wow, the train really went off the tracks. And Now, here's a weird thing. I looked over a whole bunch of lists of horror comedies today, and all of them listed an American werewolf in London, and that's fair. Mm-hmm. Not a single one listed The Howling, which I think is really unfair. Because I think The Howling, 
just like Piranha, it might not be as satirical. That's a comedy. Yeah, there's definitely elements of that that are very funny. But I think that it might have been sullied by the the films that followed it. I mean, American Werewolf in Paris, there had been so many years between that and the first one that you can separate the two. But with The Howling, it felt like the, the subsequent films came so quickly and just, you know, threw everything off when it just kind of ruined the effect of that first howling, but I don't see that one being as overtly funny as something like American Werewolf in, in London. I think American Werewolf in London to me is a scarier film and a more effective film in both the, the scares and the laughs. I'm a howling man. The thing with the howling is it's not in your face funny. I guess you could say like uh, with, with American Werewolf in London, there are moments where you you know this is supposed to be funny. And there are really silly, goofy moments like uh, his his buddy who is constantly decaying. And every yeah, time I was, you I was see just him... About to say, I was just about to say, Griffin Dunn constantly coming back a little worse for wear each time. Yeah, he's just more and more just falling apart. And uh, whereas The Howling, there's a lot of just uh, funny moments but they're punctuated like in between some really good scares. So it's not as obvious that it's supposed to be funny. So I, I think that it, it's not so much that they're, they're being snobbish about it. It's just that it's not howling is more horror than it is comedy. Well, what about arguably one of the most famous horror comedies ever? And one that I think is a fantastically brilliant film ghostbusters. I think that's one of the few ones, the few horror comedies that blended the horror and the comedy properly because like mike you said usually the comedy over if it overwhelms the horror the movie's not scary there are legitimate scares in ghostbusters yet it never stops being funny i could actually i think that one of the earlier drafts of the script it was a little bit scarier than it ended up being but uh yeah you're right that is um i just recently rewatched that uh they were bringing that out to theaters again and yeah it does have some genuine scares but i tend to remember the laughs more than the scares but i think they do do a good job of uh blending the two together ghostbusters is it, one of those perfect movies it's just the the laughs are there the scary moments are there it's just everybody is just firing on point you've got an amazing cast like the banter between everybody is just so smart and just quick and it, it's hilarious and then it does go into parts where it's scary because the optical effects of the ghosts are you so tell me you did good. not jump the first time they said get her Oh, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> and they all ran. Oh, it was so good because it's so unexpected. You know, the freaking library, you know. Actually, probably oh. the creepiest part for me in that is when the demons come through Dana Barrett's door and start ripping up through her, her recliner. Oh, and they grab her and the, and if your fridge yelled Zool at you, you'd probably be a little freaked out. Oh, God, yeah. W what about now? I don't like this movie. I, I do agree it deserves to be a, listed as a horror comedy, and I like the second film better, which you both might crucify me for. I didn't find Fright Night really to be all that funny. Eh, I'm not going to shit on you for I mean, you know, you like what you like. Yeah. Fright Night, Fright Night's a good movie. Uh, I, I, I've seen it a lot more than I've, I've seen the, the second one, but that's not to say that the second one's bad. The second one's also very good. And I also felt a lot better with the second one as far as having uh, Tracy Lind. Uh, be oh my interest. God, Tracy Lind, yes. How, how did... I, I'm like, man, did you step up? You went from Marcy Darcy to freaking Tracy Lynn. 
the the first one it's it's definitely uh, a horror comedy because it, it's another horror comedy that pokes fun at a lot of the horror tropes because you've got evil ed who's who's doing the, the old uh he, he's the the talk show or the old horror guy and uh you know the neighbors the vampire it's it's fun and funny and just an entertaining film i still haven't seen the remake because i just can't bring myself to because f- the remake yeah because f- the remake but the sequel i you had brian johnson you had tracy lynn it, it's it's they're both really good movies. They're both good horror comedies, but I would put them more more with the comedy than than the horror once again. Yeah, Fright Night. I mean, I won't shit on you for not liking it either. I came to that one pretty darn late, and I enjoyed it when I watched it. I think I've seen it two or three times now and find it enjoyable. I don't find the second one as great as the first one. It's a good blend to me if you're going to do horror and comedy, and I thought that they they did that part of it well. But yeah, I can. It's not something that I'm going to get like an entire sleeve of tattoos, uh, you know, on my arm of of Fright Night characters or something. I don't like it that much. What about Jim Carrey's first starring role, Once Bitten, a film that I think is straight out comedy that just uses horror elements, except a lot of the comedy tends to work. I know the movie got destroyed by the critics. I think Once Bitten has got a lot of genuine humor in it. It's just about vampires. I have blocked that movie out of my head if I've ever seen it. Wasn't the actress with the gap in her teeth, wasn't she in it? Lauren you Hunt. know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Was yeah, she in yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lauren, yeah, Hunt, was the Lauren Hunt was the vampire. Yeah, I was reminded of stuff like... When I was watching it, I was reminded of like Shrunken Heads, the the really bad um, Richard Elfman film, or uh, even like the Bordello of Blood, uh, those kind of things. It just it felt kind of forced to me when it came to adding the laughs to the horror. And I don't know, it's not one that I go back to. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, I remember enjoying it. Uh, I the one part that always stands out to me that I do think is a very genuinely funny moment is when he Jim Carrey is at the drive-in and he's trying to have sex with his girlfriend and she won't put out and so he gets out of the car and he's walking away every other car is rocking up and down like I thought that was a, or like a genuinely like laugh out loud funny moment this is what sucks about once bitten to me the funniest scene in the whole thing is the one scene they have to censor when they show it on TV when the female vampires is questioning the the virginal girlfriend. Mark doesn't want you because you're mean and evil. He wants me because I'm nice and sweet and pure. So fuck off! After that virgin! Come on! And I just laughed so hard at that. That is a good point. Yeah, I... I... Just from as right as soon as you started in the I'm sweet and I'm kind, I remember that. I'm like, oh yeah, right. Except that, that was... scene, every time it's on like Comedy Central, that joke's cut out. So you go, damn it! What then? That was a PG-13 movie too, wasn't it? So it wasn't, yeah, because it was they they pulled their one, you know, they used their one f- card very effectively. I, I think it's. Uh... <sighs> I'm going off of just memory here, but I, I remember enjoying it. I remember it being I remember it being a little bit long, but I, I remember uh, thinking it was funny. It, I remember it also, had, it also had some weird self-referential humor. Like, uh, you know, as the vampires are chasing them through Lauren Hutton's house, they're just knocking down doors. And at, at one point she goes, can you idiots just try a doorknob? I have to replace every single one of these doors tomorrow. And then they try the doorknob and it just opens and he kind of <laughs> I'm like, that's <laughs> funny. 
Well, what about when a horror comedy tries to be both and fails so miserably that it becomes a joke unintentionally? Haunted Honeymoon. I <laughs> don't know how that movie failed to be either horror or comedy as badly as it did. And Mike, I heard you giggle, so you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, as soon as you said Haunted Honeymoon, I thought of the uh, video box cover and then i flashed to nothing but trouble um uh, for some reason so yeah there there were a few that of bizarre them time that just dan were there. Said, that the bizarre time dan Aykroyd said you know what texas chainsaw massacre could be a sitcom oh yeah a few of them i know you like transylvania six five thousand but that one seems to be in that same kind of uh blockbuster shelf to me as well which is not unfair well, transylvania six five thousand is funny that that's definitely way more comedy than horror though like, oh, absolutely. Uh, like, and, I'd say, like, 90% comedy, like, 10% horror. And it, it just uses the horror elements. But then there's one that made every single list I looked at, and I don't see this as a horror comedy at all, and that's Return of the Living Dead. I think this is a straight-out horror movie that happens to have some comedic moments in it. I'd, I've never quite understood why Return of the Living Dead is considered a horror comedy. I mean, the second one's definitely a comedy, and it's a terrible film. I'm just talking the 1985 original. That might be one of the more pure horror comedies to me. I mean, that is, uh, it definitely is more on the scale for horror, but you have some really good laughs in it. I mean, I saw this recently with an audience in Chicago, and people were just roaring, and, you know, for good reason. I mean, b between the gasps. So I, there were so many good lines. I mean, having, you know, Clue Gulliger's uh, character there at the beginning just really kind of sets the tone for everything. You know, some of those great laugh lines, like, you know, send more cops, those kind of things. I mean, there are so many good laugh lines to this, but yes, it is genuinely scary. So I think that one, to me, really hits when it comes to that's what a horror comedy should be. You should have the scares and have the good laughs going on in between. And there's a lot of stuff where you think it's going to go one way and it goes another. So that one I would hold up as being this is what you should do when it comes to horror comedy. Definitely more horror than comedy, but it's absolutely a horror comedy. I, I mean, for crying out loud, the, the boyfriend is begging his girlfriend to let him eat her brains. <laughs> I mean, he's, please let me eat your brains. Like Mike said, the send more cops line is just fantastic. It's funny. Uh, it's it's unexpected. Uh, the effects are amazing. And it's you, you can't the effects are so good. You can't even tell that Linnea Quigley is wearing a baby doll after she's zombified to avoid an X rating. Well, yeah, sure, I would man. put that one up there with like House or um, House was actually House. next even, on my list. I yes. was going to bring up House even Creep Show, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, yeah. these are genuinely scary movies that really make me laugh, too. Now, see, when it comes to the House films, and I haven't seen House, the first one, in quite some time, I remember that one being much more horror than comedy. I don't know why, but I prefer House 2, which is definitely much more of a comedy than a horror film. But for some reason, House 2, the second story, which has got a great pun right in the title, I like better. I don't remember the last time I saw House 2, but definitely House 1 was the one that I would go back to. And I just, um, yeah, just the chemistry between the, the characters and everything. And I didn't know whether to laugh or to scream with a lot of these things. So I, I really thought that it had some good scares and some great laughs. And it's 
kind of surprising. I mean, like uh, you look at the cast now and you're like, yeah, these are all kind of second stringers, you know, like Norm from Cheers and William Cat and and with the Bull from Night Court and Richard Mall. So it's just like, yeah, yeah, these are all kind of like B-level 80s actors, but they all pull it off so well. It just it shouldn't have worked, but it ended up working for me really only like the first one like i think the first one is just fantastic it's another great horror comedy there are some genuinely scary moments like when he looks up the chimney and there's that witch thing ah oh, get your mm. or when he opens the closet and that that big clive barker looking demon comes out at him yes just yeah. so, i mean and and some of the the visuals in that like when he goes into the pool to like get his son and they do the side where he's like he's obviously no longer in the pool you know it's just this huge thing and there's the light coming out from the from the uh the entrance and just some really great like directing stuff in that and really love the first one it it is genuinely got some funny moments like when uh the the freaking everything in the house is coming to life there's the the um sword the marlin the sword oh it was a swordfish i think marlin uh on the wall is just shaking back and forth and he shoots it with a shotgun bull richard maul when he comes out with the zombie makeup it's scary as hell looking because it's because you're not expecting this movie to kind of go into a Vietnam area. <laughs> it was '86. Mm-hmm. What movie wasn't going into a Vietnam area? Eh, but you know, it was it was unexpected for for this kind of movie, especially a movie about a haunted house. You're not expecting it to have a tie into uh, child death and Vietnam. The, leaving RoboCop three out, since we're talking Fred Decker, he wrote House One and Two. What about the two Fred Decker horror comedies, Night of the Creeps and The Monster Squad? I think both of those pull off the balance perfectly. Both of those are hilarious movies, and they both come across as scary. I mean, like even in Monster Squad, you're never sure. The monsters are killing cops and whatnot. You go, they could kill one of these kids. And then there's that whole part with the with the concentration camp survivor that he doesn't know Dracula, but he knows monsters, and then they pan down to his tattoo, and you go, this actually did balance all this stuff properly. They are also two quintessential horror comedies. Night of the Creeps is genuinely scary and genuinely funny. They definitely ramp up the scares at the end. Like it starts off lighthearted and and gets more and more like scary uh, when, when the zombies... Hey Cecil, thrill me. Exactly. Oh, he's so good in that. I, and some uh, some YouTuber was like, oh, this is a movie with the asshole that says to thrill me. And I'm like, you shut your whore mouth. Don't you bad mouth it, Tom Atkins. But uh, oh, it's uh, it's so freaking good. And uh, and then at the end, you know, with the, uh, you know, ladies, your your dates are here or no, the good news, and the bad news. Yeah, your dates are here. Bad news. They're dead. Ah, such a great movie. And then Monster the Squad. creeps. Or Monster Squad, rather, yes. Monster Squad is 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 just a way of taking the classic uh, monsters and turning them on their ear, putting a, a new spin on them, and uh, just making it cool, making them interesting, making them funny. Wolfman's got nards. Come on. It's great stuff. And like you said, with uh, they, they, the, the monsters might end up killing one of the kids. You never know, especially back in the 80s. Yeah, I've never seen Night of the Creeps. I finally saw Monster Squad like a year ago, and I just wasn't into it. I think maybe had I grown up with it, it might have been a different story. But yeah, I was just That's like... That's a fair enough assessment. Why do they keep making fun of that fat kid? It's not very nice. I would have been the <laughs> fat kid, and then I started crying. 
So. <laughs> well, what about something that's a little more overt in both? Night of the Demons. I, I, I can see how Night of the Demons is considered a horror comedy because there's quite a bit of comedy in the first half hour. After that, there's no comedy. So I don't know if I would call Night of the Demons a horror comedy because there's no jokes in the in the last hour of the film. So I don't know if that one balances it quite right. I have not seen Night of the Demons. You get to see Linnea Quigley push a lipstick tube through her own nipple. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love Night of the Demons. And yeah, that, that part is one of those great like head scratchers. Because watching you that, go, you're did like, I just see what I just saw? Because cause it's so from out of left field. You're like, okay, all right, she's rubbing uh, lipstick on her. What? Like, it, it definitely uh, starts off more funny as they're all getting to the party. And then uh, once, you know, the demons are unleashed, then things go downhill and they get really scary. But it still does have some dark humor, you know, with, with the, uh, the old guy eating the, uh, the uh, what was he? Was it cookies with razors in them or, or candy? Apples. You know, it apples was apples. With, they went, it was they apples went with the old standby. They went with the old standby with apples. Yeah, so easy. And then, the you know, so that's kind of like funny because it's like that kind of tied in with what they were talking about earlier. And so it did have a little bit of humor. But definitely once the uh, once the demons came out, it, it went straight into more horror and kind of the comedy took a backseat. But I would still call it a horror comedy. What about a movie that billed itself and sold itself as more of a comedy, but I think genuinely works as a horror film, especially once the ending is revealed? 1989's The Burbs, a movie I adore and I think is genuinely funny, and the last 15 minutes have a lot of genuine horror elements to it. You know, I saw The Burbs at the movies when it was out originally, and I haven't gone back to see it since so i need to check that one out again because seeing it the first time i was just like yeah i'm not really digging this so i know that people love that movie and it's one of those where i have uh, bought a copy of it and now i need to actually watch it again it's one of the joe dante movies i haven't seen in quite a while but uh i i i always remember enjoying it i actually have parts of that movie in my everyday vernacular my neighbors are weirdos, and they don't tend their lawn at all. We've actually nicknamed them the Klopex. Well, let's go into the 90s then. What about a movie that's not traditionally thought of as a horror film, but I think it's very much a creature feature and does fit it? Arachnophobia. It's a genuinely funny movie, mainly with John Goodman for the funny parts, that, especially if you're arachnophobic at all, is a genuinely scary movie. When they kill Julian Sands... I nearly got up and left because I was creeped the fuck out. But then I, I'm also scared of spiders. I hate bugs. So arachnophobia like really, really got under my skin. And that one majorly they build as uh, a they they called it the thrillomedy. They they for whatever reason they didn't want to call it a horror comedy. They were like yeah, they they were very much avoiding the horror. But come on, it's a creature feature, really. Oh, it's absolutely a creature feature. I I don't I still don't know why they. I, I guess you know somebody in marketing thought that horror would be bad or whatever. Said so, oh, it's the first thrillomedy. It's a funny ass movie and a really genuinely good movie. And it has a lot of very uncomfortable, scary moments especially if you don't like bugs because there it is the last half hour of the movie is nothing but goddamn spiders everywhere i i love it i think that it does a, a great job of balancing out the uh, the horror and the comedy 
And uh, but it definitely it definitely veers way more into the horror for the last uh, the last act. I think it definitely set the bar when it came to these kind of insect creature feature type it's movies. Real comedies, I mean, apparently. Yeah. I mean, Slither is up there for me when it comes to this kind of stuff. But then other ones like Eight-Legged Freaks or Big Ass Spider. I mean, to me, that's the king of the um, spider films. I mean, even better than, you know, the uh, Kingdom of the Spiders with Shatner. Want a date? Going out? Looking for some action? Need some company? Got any money? What about Frankenhooker? A movie that is a straight-out comedy. That happens to be also a gore film set in like a horror movie universe. What about something like Frankenhooker? You know, when I think of Frankenhooker, I think of, you know, I really liked Frankenhooker. Let me just put that out there. But I'm reminded of other films like Reanimator and um, what was some of those other films that um, just had that kind of gore thing going on. Frankenhooker was the tops of that list. I I don't know what it is about Reanimator, but I've never been able to get into that film. And I know some people love it. I love it. And I'm one of them. That's yep. another horror comedy, but I've never been able to. I think I've watched the entire thing once, and the last time I tried to watch it, I got about 15 minutes in, and I just I turned it off. Oh, Frankenhooker is great. Frankenhooker is is hilarious, and Patty Mullins just with with the the goofy. Want a date? Yeah, want a date? Making that goofy oh, face. She is movie. perfect. Oh She's, God, yeah. Yeah, she is just. It's it's a funny ass movie. Uh, it, it's it's a shame. I think that a lot of people don't watch it simply because of the title. It, it sounds so exploitative, which it it is. Is but that doesn't make it a bad movie. It's still very no. funny. And that definitely is way more in the comedy than horror, but still uh, just a, a funny-ass movie. We're going to go over and talk a little bit about some Kiwis here. I never liked Brain Dead, Dead Alive. Yes, it's, it is a horror comedy. I'm not debating that. I never liked this. Am I missing something in Brain Dead, Dead Alive? Everyone was constantly telling me how amazing this movie was, and then I saw it when it, fir- you know, when it first came to video, and I was just like, I'm not into this at all. Oh, I absolutely love this movie. I really love it. I mean, I other than um, King Kong and the what was that the the bones the um, oh lovely bones really shitty lovely bones. Other than those films, I have been really a Peter Jackson supporter for the last however many years, and seeing Bad Taste and Dead Alive and seeing the way that he's kind of progressed through his career. I mean, you know, Heavenly Creatures, but Dead Alive for me, I mean, it's, you know, it it doesn't exist without Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, I should say, but it's, uh, it really does it for me and just, uh, just keeps ramping up the gore and the bad taste of everything. I mean, the, the blood in the, um, the porridge scene and just so many stupid, funny things for me that I just, uh, you know, once, and when we get to the end with the lawnmower, I was just laughing my ass off. And I can't say it's one that I go back to that often. I've only seen it maybe three or four times, but it is um, definitely burned in my brain. I mean, I, I will go back to the Evil Dead 2 much more often. I kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> it's so quotable and just yes, funny and disgusting. And the part... Holy crap, when uh, he's chasing the zombie through the park 
and he grabs oh. it and starts smashing its head into the uh, into the post and everybody is like all the women everybody are just freaking out i was howling laughing the movie is hysterical it's so bloody it's so disgusting it's it, uh it's just got so many memorable moments in it the creativity that came out of that uh the 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 guy gets his head lopped off but it's still alive and it's in the blender it, it just such a creative movie and it, it showed just how creative uh peter jackson was like i i like mike um i had seen uh bad taste and I immediately was like, I need to see everything else by this guy immediately. But at the time, the only two movies that he had out were uh, were Bad Taste and Meet the Feebles. And Meet the Feebles is just weird. It's it, Meet it's the Feebles, bad. I think, is a better idea than it is a film. Yeah, I, that's the uh, Meet the Feebles and and his King Kong are, are the the two for me where I'm not particularly big on. But um, I remember then Dead Alive came out and I was like, oh my god, Peter Jackson's doing a zombie movie, and it just it did not disappoint. It was so freaking good. Uh, and and the Frighteners and Heavenly Creatures. I was, the Frighteners is actually on my list because I think that's the best Peter Jackson movie. I love the. Now I, I need to say I love the quote fun cut. The, the cut that puts all of Jeffrey Combs' scenes back in and all of the scenes that allow the movie to make sense, which Peter Jackson for some reason refuses to call a director's cut, that version is fantastic. The theatrical version is a goddamn nightmare, which the first time I saw The Frighteners, I saw it, I rented it, and I'm like, this movie, I don't get why everyone's liking it. This movie is terrible. Then I got the laser disc and I saw the extended cut, and I went, this movie is fantastic. It's amazing what 20 minutes of footage added back in can do. I've only seen the theatrical cut, which I saw in the theater, and I've never gone back to it. But I just I've wanted to see that longer version. So it it's one that I cut a lot of slack to. It changes the entire movie. You're talking to somebody who has spent six hours today watching the first two Lord of the Rings movies, the extended cuts. So I definitely know when it comes to him extending stuff that it makes a huge difference. So. How about, and I know Mike can talk about this one, how about one of when something that sounds like it should absolutely work on paper really doesn't, and that's Wes Craven directing Eddie Murphy as a vampire in modern day. Vampire in Brooklyn, I despised this film. It wasn't scary, it wasn't funny, but Mike, I think you can agree with me, on paper, that should have worked. I don't even know. I I mean... Because when you sign Eddie Murphy for something, especially at that time, you're signing Eddie Murphy and his ego and his clout that he had. And so Wes Craven, I mean, he brought along some of the actors that he'd worked with before, you know, Mitch Pileggi and Joanna Cassidy and these folks. But it was it was just an Eddie Murphy film. I mean, doing the different characters and all that kind of shit. I mean, it was just terrible i just rewatched that again like two weeks ago and oh my god there was one part where it was just like i ended up and i was helping my wife bring in groceries and i came back in i was just like oh my god this movie is still on how long is this fucking movie it just went on forever i was actually just talking to alex about this uh i have not seen it and apparently i have made the right decision you have but the movie evidently yes. opens with 
what is it? Something like Eddie Murphy presents an Eddie Murphy production starring Eddie Murphy. Directed by Wes Craven. And then in little tiny letters, directed by Wes Craven. So this was when Eddie Murphy's ego was at an all time high and he was just making nothing but his own vanity projects and they were bombing because they were terrible. He it could have been something, but instead it was just garbage. Well, what about a movie that had no right to be as funny as it was? I'm still pissed that that uh, the over amount of really bad late 90s CGI. But I genuinely laughed at Lake Placid at multiple points. Lake Placid should not have been funny. Why was it? Betty White. Betty White. Betty White was a big reason. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, David E. Kelly's script. David E. Kelly's script was almost a satire of creature features while being played totally straight as a creature feature, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I tell you to suck it. <laughs> Come on. Had a be- that was back when Eddie, nobody knew that Betty White was filthy. But it was. I mean, and this was before all these piece of shit sci-fi movies that have been you know, just flooding us and stuff. So this was, you know, it was along the lines of, uh, you know, Piranha or some of these creature features that had their, you know, their tongue in their cheek, you know, the, uh, what, Alligator or whatever, these kind of films. It, it had been such a long time since we had one of those, and it was before the glut of these horrible sci-fi films that you were able to actually see this and enjoy it. And, yeah, Betty White, she just fucking rocked that movie. She stole that, she stole that film. Bubba Hotep. Bubba Hotep was a fantastic movie that balanced both. It's a little bit more of a comedy, but it uses the horror elements in a proper way, if you will. Because, Mike, I do agree with you. Eight-Legged Freaks is amusing, but it's not great. Club Dread had its moments, but it didn't all work. The Evil Evil Bong movies, My Name is Bruce, stuff like that, they didn't completely work for me. Bubba Hotep totally worked for me. Yeah, Bubba Hotep, I've only seen it the one time, and I really wanted to like it a lot more than I did. Um, I have recently acquired that, and I was like, I should probably show this to my wife because I think she might get a kick out of it, and I kind of want to give it a second chance. But seeing that the first time, I was just like, yeah, this probably would have been a really good uh, short story, which I think it was. Not necessarily feature-length film. I don't think that it had enough there to be feature-length, but... I don't know. When it comes to horror comedies in the 2000s, I know it's cliche, but I really like Shaun of the Dead. That, to me, works on both horror and comedy, though, albeit much more uh, comedy. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the reason I didn't include Shaun of the Dead was I think that's much more of a comedy that happens to take place during a zombie apocalypse than anything else. Where do you come down on, uh, like, Tucker and Dale versus Evil? I haven't seen that, so I have no opinion of it. Oh. See it immediately. A lot of these lists included a movie I love, John Dies at the End. I don't consider John Dies at the End a comedy. I just consider it a really weird movie. No, it's funny. Um, Yeah, it is. It's genuinely funny. That, to me, was Coscarelli, you know, really hitting on all cylinders. Oh, absolutely. So I would... I would take that one over Bubba Hotep, even though, I I mean, I love the idea of Bruce Campbell playing an elderly um, Elvis. And I kind of wish that there had just been like a whole series of him playing this kind of renegade, fake his own death Elvis kind of thing. There was supposed to be, but there was a huge fallout between Coscarelli and Bruce Campbell. So, yeah, I mean, I hate that egos get in the way when it comes to this stuff. Bubba Hotep is is great. I, I, I think that it's, 
it's clever, it's funny, it's unique, and definitely, I, I, I was in love with it as soon as I heard. I'm like, wait, JFK is black, and, and, and Elvis is still alive, and they're in a nursing home, and they're, what? And they're fighting a zombie, or they're fighting they're a fighting, mummy. Yeah, they're fighting mummy, this is, yes? Well, why, you know, and I, it is sad, because they, they so we're going to we're setting this up to do Bubba Nosferatu and it just it fell apart and I I would love for them to be able to kind of mend their differences and and kind of make it but we'll see John dies the end is is just incredible it's uh it, it, it like Mike said it's Coscarelli firing on all cylinders. He just, the creativity was there. The characters were there. Just, it, it, it was just awesome. And uh, I, I, I just, uh, more, more like that, more movies yes. where it's just unfiltered, just holy crap. This is a whole lot of stuff that nobody's ever done before. This is just creativity unbound. Like I, I, I really love that movie. Well, Mike, you said you had a couple that, and I'll admit I've never heard of these, Tell us a little bit about the item, murder party, and blood car. The item is it's a uh, <laughs> it's a puppet horror film. Um, it, in that it's a uh, uh, a case that is given to these kind of it, it's kind of um, it was in that era of Reservoir Dog ripoff kind of thing where you had the people in a small room and they're fighting and they have guns kind of stuff. Uh, but there's an element of supernatural. There's this puppet that lives in this case. It was kind of like the um, Seven Faces of Dr. Lau, but crazy, crazy stuff. And it was one of these where the uh, studio, when they put it out on DVD, they went in and they cut out a lot of the blood and gore and actually made it scarier by cutting out the blood and gore because the it was so excessive when it was originally uh, shown and everything that it just it made it funnier because there was so much gore. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. The guy who did it, uh, I think his name's Dan Clark, and he used to work for like Jim Henson dinosaur show and stuff and so he uh definitely knows how to do some good puppetry and everything he's actually in the film and it's very uh intense it's got some good laughs and stuff so uh murder party again small budget kind of thing it's a bunch of people that show up to this warehouse and they're dressed as their favorite movie characters and then there's this whole series of you know it's almost like 10 10 little indians if memory serves as far as people being knocked off in different ways and this kind of stuff and uh references to films but also some good gore and some good laughs to it so i recommend that as well and then there's one called blood car gas has risen up to 30 some dollars a gallon and this guy's trying to figure out a way to make his car run on wheat grass because now it's like this big sex symbol if you have a car because obviously you have a lot of money if you can fill up your tank and go tries to get it to run on wheatgrass ends up cutting his finger it almost becomes like a uh, little shop of horror kind of thing where the car will run off of his blood and pretty soon rather than using his blood he turns his engine into this basically killing machine and starts throwing people into the engine and uh, being able to uh, ride around town and finally get some nookie from the girl that he really um, has a thing for so it, it's good stuff as well very small budget but definitely very enjoyable all three of those sound interesting, and they, they sound like they're trying. Because yes. oh, horror, yeah. horror comedies today tend to be the scary movie, the haunted house, the let's just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. I mean, obviously Cecil's going to argue with me, but I didn't like Cabin in the Woods. In fact, I despised the film. 
that seems to be the exception when it comes to nowadays them making a horror comedy. Most of the horror comedies that have come out today are much more of a spoof movie than an actual like horror comedy from the 80s like Vamp or something like that. I wouldn't really say Cabin in the Woods is a horror comedy. I would I would put it more into the as much as I'm like ugh on the title. It is more of a meta horror film. It's it's very referential. I mean, there's a couple of chuckle moments in it, but uh, overall, uh, I think it definitely is more horror. It struck, it struck me as it was trying to be more satirical. Yeah, well, I mean, as as um, as, as Joss Whedon and uh, and I'm forgetting the director uh, who did it. They they were calling it the the loving hate letter to horror films. They were kind of pointing out a lot of the uh, the tropes and they kind of were spinning them and they added in a lot of the the different creatures and whatnot. And they were having as much fun with uh, the whole you know history of horror and by throwing it all into this one bucket of, hey, you know why horror movies have been like this for all these years? Well, because of this. And I thought that that was really clever and fun and cool. But I, I wouldn't put it into the horror comedy realm. It made almost all the lists I was looking at today, and I'm like, really? Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, I, I so don't, I, I don't see that. At, yeah, I don't see that at all. But eh, whatever. I was laughing my ass off at it a few times. I mean, that whole call from the Harbinger guy, the uh, you know, the old man who runs the gas station, who's warning the kids to turn back and everything. That scene to me was just hilarious and just. Yeah, the one character wanting a merman and all this stuff. I mean, I found a lot of it to be very funny. So to round out the night, what would you consider the best era of horror comedies? Because I don't believe that today, as you know, let's say 2010 and up, are producing horror comedies that are worth a shit. I would have to say the 1980s is where the true horror comedies came from. But then I'm also biased against towards most things of the 1980s i think there's definitely um good horror comedies out there i mean i think though that they're they're tending to play stuff against horror conventions a little bit more i grew up with these 80s films i've mentioned pandemonium i've mentioned evil dead 2 i've mentioned you know so many other films that were out in the 80s so i you know that that to me is the key if you guys haven't seen uh the film just by the way cemetery man i highly recommend that one as well I've seen that as like Della Morte, Della Morte, or something like that. Della Morte, yes. Della Morte. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah that the phenomenal guy... film. I still think they're doing it today. I think that, um, I, I mean, I, I kind of gravitate towards uh, 80s and 90s, but that's uh, also what I'm, I'm grown up with. But uh, to say that they're, they're not making horror comedies when you've got Shaun of the Dead, Behind the Mask, got uh, Feast, Slither, uh, I mean, Hatchet. But, you, but you've also got all of the screams and all the scream. I mean, there's scream. Th- scream was 90s, though. But they're still making scream movies. They're but making they, a they scream just... TV show next year. But, but what I'm saying is that that doesn't negate the fact that it, they're not making good horror comedies. It just means that they're also making other not good horror comedies. I mean, I haven't seen Scream 4 yet, so I can't say. But I think that uh, there still is a lot of really good horror comedies coming out. It's just that, unfortunately, they're probably being uh, overlooked because there are awful ones like the Haunted House movies and the later uh, scary movies 
and anything that kind of tries to the paranormal activity <laughs> like they could that really that was the best name you guys could come up with it's almost as bad as the hungover games yeah oh, oh god oh well when it comes to horror comedy sometimes it takes tv to do it right did either of you see the mtv series death valley a couple of years ago yeah, it was. I I I only caught a couple, but uh, it was funny. I thought it was cool. It was it was basically cops with like vampires and zombies and stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's cops set in a world where vampires, zombies, and werewolves exist, and it was hilarious. I went into this wanting to hate it. It's on MTV. It's essentially you know found footage ish since it's shot like cops, and it's created by Rob Zombie's little brother. I'm like, this is gonna suck. We my wife and I watched the pilot, and we were like, this is fantastic. Where can we find Mike White, who is a true horror comedy? Because working with him is a horror, but he's a comedy on the air. Such a cut-up, aren't I? Aren't you? Yeah. You can find me over at uh, projectionboothpodcast.com. Where can we find Cecil, who is neither horrific nor funny? Uh, I am neither. You are correct, sir. Uh, you can find me over at uh, goodbadflix.com, as well as geekjuicemedia.com, grumble grumble something Hadley. Well, speaking of Hadley, you can find Hadley at 1201beyond.com, where you can get a t-shirt and stuff, and you can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Have a good night, guys, and remember, if you're not scared, it's not a horror comedy. If you're not laughing, it's not a horror comedy. You have to do both.
Radio Drone is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.